How to Get Filthy Rich in Rising Asia by Moshin Hamid. I want you to think about three key ideas as we go through these first three chapters. The first one is, what role does geography play in a person's level of success? The second one, what is the connection between education and social mobility? And the third one, how can love and relationships be inconvenient to the success of a person? Hamid is allowing us to be front and center in his novel by choosing and selecting to do the narration in second person. It's, it's very easy to kind of fall into the rhythm of the you being you. And as we analyze this, I want us to keep in mind that the world that he's writing about, while it might not be ours, the lessons that take place along the way need to be reflected upon. So in these first three chapters, we look at moving to the city, getting an education, and not falling in love. And what I want us to think about and consider is how he's depicting both the setting, the characters themselves, the secondary characters as the family members, and in a lot of ways offering each lesson almost as a short story unto itself. In that first chapter, Move to the City, we have to think about the setting, the rural life that is presented to the reader, and a lack of basic luxuries that we would consider to be essential to our lives. It's not the way our narrator is growing up. Where he is living, he lacks electricity. And in many ways, the common amenities that we would just consider basic standard living, they're not there. And if our main character were to stay there for his entire life, in many ways, his life would not change. He would age, and with that age would, be, would come more responsibility. Things would change a little bit. But his status would not. And we do learn a little bit about the family dynamic, that his father's a cook. He's going off to the city. He sends money back. The money goes to the family and the rest of the clan. It's not just supporting the immediate family unit. His mother is a strong figure who would be more powerful and have a larger role if she wasn't female. So we see a male-female dynamic where women are naturally subservient to men, even if from a personality standpoint, from a skill standpoint, they are superior, that the design of the society doesn't allow for women to step out of the bounds that have been designed for them. And all of this comes in a really short punching way. And we need to understand as we analyze this, that the geographical limitations of a place will impact a person's identity it impact potentially what they and who they can become. So while it's not everything, and there is a point of which a person can choose to change their geography, it is easier said than done. And in this chapter, we see ultimately that the family decides to move to the city. And in doing so, it's now going to open up a major door for change for everyone. And as we consider this, I want us to go back to our question about the role of geography with success. In many ways, 
where you live is completely random and by chance. You have no control over where it, you are born. You do not have a lot of control over where you live as a child. And only when you are an adult or old enough to escape a situation are you able to change your geography. And what that looks like on a number of fronts is complicated and isn't exactly always an easy transition. So when we talk about this in class and the idea of what it takes to move, not just an individual, but a, a small family or even a large family, to take that step to leave what you're comfortable with, while not only a challenge to the individual, but also a challenge to everything that that family will stand for. Because the life they know is in many ways, even if they've thought about what it might be somewhere else, you do not know until you're there, until you're living, until you're experiencing it. And our decisions, our worldview are always shaped by what we've been through and what we've done. As we shift gears to that second chapter about education, get an education, we learn some little tidbits about the setting again. Boys go to school up until 12. Girls are allowed to go to school, but once they're around the marrying age, they're out. His middle brother didn't really like school, but was allowed to stay longer until he finally got a job as a painter. And the difference between boys and girls is being reestablished. Even the jobs themselves, we get some tidbits there. As a teacher, they, they talk about how the teacher had to use bribes to get the position he wanted, and this wasn't even his first pick. The status of having these jobs being purchased and not earned is an interesting aspect to keep note on. But Hobbit makes a really great point at the start of the Get an Education chapter that all books in some way, shape, or form are self-help books. And while he makes some jokes at the beginning of the chapter Move to the City about what exactly is a self-help book and how in many ways it's an oxymoron, the lessons we take away and learn from all literature, whether fiction or nonfiction, is important. I think every English teacher who's ever taught any book ever is hoping that we're moving beyond just an understanding of the simple plot, that it speaks to something deeper, it generates conversation, reflection, to instill a greater experience. So the role of education in, as, it, as it comes out in this, in this section is focused around the idea that this is a lifeline. By being educated, it is potentially setting on a path for social mobility. But it's not guaranteed, and that's one of the points that we're going to cover in class. The tidbit about the teacher having to use bribes to ensure the position as a teacher after not being given the job he wanted shows that there's going to be more to the education process than what is happening in the school. And we do see the lesson that it's being taught and how our narrator corrects the teacher and how he's punished for it. But as we could think about, the lesson that's being taught is not something dynamic. It's not going to instill or inspire anyone to be anything other than regurgitation of the facts. 
So this idea of what an education is, is not just what's happened in the classroom in this chapter. It's the relationships that he has with his parents. It's the relationships that he has with his sister and his brother. And it's a reflection upon where he came from to where he is now. So as we analyze the education aspect and we look back at our own educations, this ability to connect education and social mobility is really key. How else is someone supposed to move up in life without being educated both by the society itself and also in the classroom formally? And we can look back and think about the education he might have been receiving prior to moving to the city. That education in many ways was more social. The aspects of the clan, the aspects of the region, but transitioning to the city where there's electricity, where there's more of the modern luxuries, but still offering a limited amount of them, that doesn't necessarily instill a better life. It's, it is a life that we're more used to seeing, more recognizable for us as readers. But it doesn't necessarily mean a better life. Remember, the purpose of this text is how to get filthy rich in rising Asia. It's supposed to be a step-by-step lifeline to us as readers to understand this man's journey from nothing to everything, potentially, and all the pitfalls in between. So as you think about this, I want us to stay connected to this idea that education is not just in the classroom. It's going to be the connections made, the resources available, And it's going to be more than just what's in the classroom, but kind of combining life experience, family history, connections to others, and what is physically learned in the classroom. The last chapter, in my opinion, sets us up for what we're going to really be seeing in the rest of the the novel. Chapter three, don't fall in love. The question we're looking at here is how can love and relationships be inconvenient to the success of a person? This chapter is truly not about our main character. It's truly about the girl. And he begins to have a crush on this girl who's an aspiring model who has to consider and reflect upon her status as a female in a society where females are not valued the same as a male. The opportunities are not there. If she wants to make changes in her life, if she wants to escape the life that she's destined to live, she has to be willing to sacrifice parts of herself in ways that a man would never understand. And this chapter speaks to the fact that she is dealing with more than what our main character is dealing with. And she has to be committed to her vision of her future self and future life more so than our main character. In this chapter, it's not our main character rejecting love and relationships. In many ways, in simply plot-based way, it's it's the girl. By in the end, her leaving the city, her leaving our main character behind, and whether or not you can say they're in love or not, we're not sure. There's a true friendship there. 
the line between love and lust is blurry, particularly at this age. But the way she's depicted and the way she's judged by the outsiders, she is choosing a life that's not what has been destined for her by the society that she's living in. And in many ways, she's weaponizing her sexuality. She's weaponizing her sense of self. And while you might not agree that that is the way to go about making change in one's life, you have to remember that she is working with limited resources. And I think she represents truly the strongest character in the novel because she has a vision for what she wants to become. And she's not going to allow the societal pressures of who they're telling her to be dictate where she ends up. We must consider the fact that she is living in a world, and I'm going to say this a lot, she's living in a world where she has to deal with all the pressures and limitations that come along with being a female in a society that does not value her the same way it does men. And Hamid is very open about that, going all the way back to the depiction of the relationship between the father and the mother of our main character. It's reinforced in the second chapter about the education of his sister. And it's solidified here in the third chapter with what the aspiring model and her relationship with our main character ultimately leaves him in the dust because it's what has to happen for her to move forward. So we think about the idea of being inconvenient. The inconvenience is that she was not willing to stick around to see where this relationship would go because she knew if she did, then her life would stop. The stagnation would set in and she would never become who she wants to be. So as we consider this text and as we read the self-help nature of it and enjoy the really rich writing of a second-person novel where you're at the centerpiece whether you like it or not because of the use of you, I want us to continue to analyze these core aspects about education, about geography, about the role of relationships, and what is someone willing to leave behind and willing to do to move themselves forward. What does that look like? What does that look like in our society? What does that look like in the fictional depiction of the society that we're looking at? I do think there's a lot to learn from this text. We're going to be writing a lot about some of the small lessons along the way and focusing on the big picture ideas. But please understand that this is a text that's going to offer us a lot to think about. And I hope you enjoy every step of the way.